When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. And as promised, we have a special guest to help us break down what to expect when the Saints visit the Steelers in Week 10. And that is Colin Dunlap, host of the 4th Down in the Steel City podcast. That's another 2400 Sports Odyssey special. He's also the host of the Fan Morning Show on 93.7 in Pittsburgh. How you doing, man? I'm great. How's everything with you guys? You know, it's good. It's, you know, down here when the high temperature is 70, that's officially cold for us. And so we got right. to that point today. So, you know, it's like breaking out sweaters and stuff. I feel like your your experience will be slightly different, though. Yeah, it fluctuates. It's been nice here, but it's going to be cold uh, for the game. Cold, rainy, miserable, nasty, autumnal Western Pennsylvania. So there you go. A wonderful time for a dome team this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, right. Absolutely. But, well, this I mean, breaking news, kind of, going into this game, the Steelers are without their kicker, Chris Boswell. They mm-hmm. spent a bunch of money on him. So that might even up the score just a little bit. He's a guy that's been been really apt and able to kick outdoors, and they don't have him. So they'll march out some tomato can they grabbed off the scrap heap. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> met, you mentioned injury. Obviously, they're a big one for you guys. It's expected back. TJ Watt, what's the, the latest update on him? T.J. Watt, you know, Mike Tomlin talks about this all the time. T.J. Watt's from another planet. That's great. And T.J. Watt, other than uh, Aaron Donald, is someone that can take over a game and and has taken over a lot of games. I'm just not so sure he's at the point cardio-wise or at the point he can take over games just by plug-and-play, how long he's missed. Even though it's a pec injury, you know, that's asking a lot for T.J. Watt to just get thrown into the game with just, you know, four or five practices – and he didn't really practice because of the mandate from the in the CBA that there weren't really practices in the bye week. So he's only had probably two, three padded practices. He'll give it a rip, uh, but I don't expect T.J. Watt, you know, prime T.J. Watt. But he'll make a difference. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like anytime your your name is Watt, you feel like you're just having him out there is is a big impact in in any way. But right. So his injury, just to be clear, like he's not quote unquote healthy, right? Like he's going to play through it. But he he's going to need surgery eventually, right? Is that that's kind of my understanding? Yeah, I think it's it's in the balance. Um, see, I think if he, I don't think he can hurt it worse, or he wouldn't be out there, right? Uh, but I do think he'll probably get surgery in the off season. But the way the timeline is now, that the surgery won't put him out into next season if he does in fact need surgery. So he might as well just go at it and go. He's paid to play football, and right. he's not a guy that's going to sit there. Now, besides Watt obviously being missing, what's been the deal with this Pittsburgh defense? Obviously, everybody's been talking about how it's not the steel curtain anymore. Right. Well, the cornerbacks suck, so that that's number one. (laughs) Devin Bush has gotten slightly better, so there's that. I think, you know, one thing that's that's glaringly obvious is Miles Jack was not as advertised. You know, everybody thought, well, change of scenery comes from Jacksonville. Miles Jack is going to make a bunch of splash plays. He's simply not. Minka Fitzpatrick's very good. 
Minka Fitzpatrick, though, when he's bad, is bad. Um, but I think he still is one of the best safeties in the game. But he's had some glaring flubs. You know, whenever you put Miles Jack and you put him with Devin Bush, who stinks, um, you get an average player. They were looking for better from the. I mean, you guys follow football. You have your whole lives. Pittsburgh's synonymous with a linebacker position. Um, they have an edge rusher, obviously, and TJ Watt, but they've always had a full complement of linebackers. And the linebackers not named TJ Watt are very average on this football team. One of the interesting things I think about the Steelers, and you know, it's it's interesting because you know Mike Tomlin obviously has been there forever. Bill Belichick has been in New England forever. Sean Payton was in New Orleans forever. All three of those coaches ended up having to move on to a new quarterback, you know, whether it was a rookie, whether it was a young player, or, you know, a veteran player. It, it drove Sean out of, out of the coaching sphere. It exhausted him so much. I feel like Bill Belichick honestly might be getting to the end of his rope just dealing with the constant quarterback uncertainty. How is Mike Tomlin dealt with that because I feel like when you're a coach and you've had that guy for so long to suddenly not have the quarterback that you are confident in every week that's got to be a change like a you know there's an interesting dynamic like you guys watch the Steeler news conferences or get bits and pieces and snippets and you go wow like Mike Tomlin is so prophetic and look at the stuff he says like you get red paint you paint the barn red you know heard all that five times so for us it's kind of like through so I think he's handled it as best he can. The big question here now is this, and you know, the, the same old rhetoric about the Mike Tomlin never having a losing season and all that. Well, did Mike Tomlin not have a losing season or did Ben Roethlisberger not have a losing season for right. Mike Tomlin? That's a very real question. And this was a question, uh, Jeff and Steve, for a long time. How is Mike Tomlin going to be as a coach whenever he doesn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback? Well, we're in the thick of it. We're finding it out. Hmm. And Mike Tom is a defensive edged coach. I mean, come up, came up on the defensive side of the ball. It's not like they're holding people to 10 points and the offense just isn't scoring points. I think there's a lot of questions about Mike Tomlin and just how much, as with Peyton, uh, just how much it was tied to Breeze. And, you know, it's no knock. Every great coach in history, pretty much, maybe outside of Joe Gibbs, has been tied to a great, great quarterback, like a truly great quarterback. But I think we're starting to understand that the true greatness of the Pittsburgh Steelers over the past 12, 15 years may have been a lot more Ben than it was Tomlin. Now, you mentioned just before that, you know, what Tomlin is saying, you guys have, you know, been there, done that, heard it before. Is it something that the players feel that way, you think, as well? No, because there's enough new young guys. Okay. There's Najee Harris. There's Kenny Pickett. George, right. I mean, you guys live in SEC territory. You've seen George Pickens before. Like, how good is this kid, right? right. Um, somebody like him. Minka Fitzpatrick's relatively new after the trade. The cornerbacks are all new. Miles Jack walks in. He's new. The offensive line, it, people couldn't pick them out if they were walking in the mall other than they were a bunch of big guys. Nobody knows who these guys are. But all that said, I don't think it's, I don't think it's repetitive yet. Um, but I will say this, one of the big talking points this week, guys, is, well, there's two. The first one is this, is Najee Harris, maybe Trent Richardson all over again. Hmm. That that's a very real discussion point at this point. He had 1200 yards, whatever it was. He had a very good rookie season, but 
a lot of people, you hear this, don't ever take a running back in the first round. I don't know if he's good, if he's not. I don't know what – what I do know is this. It hasn't lived up to being a first-round pick. I will say it's difficult to ever be Trent Richardson because he was the number three overall right. pick in that draft. Like, they flipped him, though, just a year later and got a first-round pick, you know? And oh, so, sure. Yeah, I, I just think – yeah. No, you're right, you know, but the Steelers <laughs> – the Steelers never finish in a place where they get the number three pick, you know? So Steeler fans looked at, look at things through a different uh, eye of the prism. I'm somebody who in the past two years, I wouldn't have taken either one of the guys they took. I would not have taken a running back. I would not have taken a quarterback. It was glaringly obvious when DeCastro walked out of town, when Pouncey walked out of town, when Ramon Foster walked out of town, when uh, Villanueva walked out of town, that the Steelers were going nowhere without an offensive line. <laughs> And I thought you can piecemeal skill position players in and get some things done. And we're seeing an offensive line that's that's just terrible. And they did nothing to make it better. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if you pick a running back in the top five, they not only have to be great, they have to be like other – like, Saquon Barkley has been fantastic. He was still a terrible pick by the Giants when they I, picked him. <laughs> you know, Jeff, you, you bring up an awesome point. And I said this actually uh, on Tuesday on our show. If you pick a running back in the first round, he needs to walk in and be the best football player yep. on your team. And, and there's there's no room for argument, and there's no room for debate after that for me. Yeah. No, I mean, the Chiefs took Clyde Edwards-Elayer in the number 32 overall, and he's been okay. But, right. like, that means that he is a massive bust, <laughs> yes. right? Okay as a first-round running back. Like, Rashad Penny, there's a lot of bad first-round running back picks if you want to go that, through the last five, six years. And I don't know if Najee, you know, in year two is at his peak form yet. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's a big question because I know a lot of people drafted him high in fantasy this year, and they're not too happy about it. Well, Kenny Pickett's another story, Steve, that, that just won't quit here. You know, that's another thing. If Kenny Pickett and, – and look, I'm a, we're the flagship of University of Pittsburgh football. We carry Pitt. There's a big Pitt place. You know, it's either Pitt or Penn State in, in, the, in the area where we live, in West Virginia as well. If Kenny Pickett went to Iowa State or Washington State or UTEP, he would not get the excuses that he gets. That's just fact. Is there different pressure on him to some degree because he was Pitt's quarterback? Maybe. There's also a much longer leash. And that just seems to me – people don't want to be as critical of him. I, I haven't seen it from Kenny Pickett at the pro level. little yeah. off topic. Uh, just curious what you think of tight end Lucas Kroll, who's on the Saints practice squad. He's a guy that once he went to the practice squad, I was yeah. thinking maybe that the Steelers would end up you know, stealing him away to, t to pair back up with Pickett. But he's still around, and we really haven't seen much of him here. Well, he's got fabulous hair. That's number one, <laughs> Lucas Kroll does. Second of all, I was on the practice field, and I was talking to Pat Narduzzi last year because he transferred from Florida, right, yeah. um, to the University of Pittsburgh. And when he came – Pitt, Pitt turns out tight ends. That's one thing Pitt does. They have a bunch of guys that have been pros at the tight end position. He walked out uh, in pads, and I said, Holy hell, who yeah. is this? Like, it doesn't matter if you're the, an NFL team or if you're like San Jose State or Tusculum. You put that kid out there. He's the biggest skill position guy that there is. I, I, he looked like every bit of a pro to me. And he looked, and I know that Pickett counted on him. Pickett used him in that Clemson game. Uh, and he was really, really good. I think he'll get a little run. No, I mean, yeah, he looked good in, in the preseason. I think he's just a developmental guy, and it's going to take right. a year or two, but I think they want to keep him around. 
I do want to get back to, so I call him Kenny Two Gloves. What? So I, I, clearly you think that he has underperformed what his expectations should have been. So what what have his struggles been? Like what should the Saints be expecting to see? You know, if things go well for the Saints, what where will he have struggled? Uh, as Red zone. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, their longest touchdown this year is eight yards. Their really? longest touchdown is eight yards. Wow. The next, the team that has the next shortest distance for a touchdown is 23. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, that's yeah. that's mind-numbing, really. They, they've not been good in the red zone. They have seemingly had a bunch of miscommunication with illegal shifts and things. I don't think he has the grasp of the scrimmage line at times and what to do. Now, look, it, it, he's scrappy. He's tough. He's all of that moxie, all, you know, all the yeah. coach's son stuff that people want to talk about. John Stockton, you know, um, he's all of that kind of stuff. But he does have twice as many interceptions as touchdowns. He does throw the football to the other team. He had a chance to beat the Miami Dolphins and threw not one but two picks under six minutes left that weren't good balls. I I think he really struggles in the red zone, and he definitely struggles over the middle of the field. Now, <laughs> I don't need to mention this guy in Louisiana, but Matt Canada sucks. Yeah. And, <laughs> Oh, yeah. We know him well. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me. Um, <laughs> Matt Canada's inability to call things over the middle of the field has not at all helped Kenny Pickett. But I still think Kenny Pickett could do some things to help himself. Matt Canada should not be employed. Is he, still, is he still calling like just crazy shifts on every play? Everything. Jet sweeps <laughs> all over the place. Not only do they shift – they shift into a nothing. The guy shifts and then he's not in a vital part of the play. And it doesn't make any sense. That and he is the king of the third and two jet sweep where someone needs to gain seven yards to get back to the scrimmage line. So it becomes a third. He turns his own third and two to a third and nine. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I don't know. Uh, he's not. I'm surprised he's still employed. I a lot of people thought he would be fired during the bye week. Uh, he wasn't. Uh, I think they're going to probably just ride it out and see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised if Frank Reich is the offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers next year. Right. But um, I'm not telling anybody <laughs> in the boot <laughs> anything about Matt Canada. No. You don't know. <laughs> I can't believe he keeps getting hired. I, there was a point where I thought that he and Ed Ogeron were just going to just have a fist fight at the middle of the field. Like – they just did not get along. You know, I caught some heat, and I don't think I'm wrong, but he recruited Mike Tomlin's son to the University of Maryland. And I seem to think Mike Tomlin doesn't have the heart to fire him because of that. I, that's just how I feel about it. There's, there's something there why he won't terminate this guy. One of the few bright spots on your guys' offense has been the undrafted rookie at running back, Jalen Warren. Are there any maybe other names that Saints fans might not know about on offense and defense that could have an impact on this game? Pat Fryermuth is very good. Pat Fryermuth could grow into one of the best tight ends in this game, I think. He's super good. He's a Penn State kid. He's gigantic. He's a big target. Especially now with Claypool gone, traded right. to um, the Bears, Pat Fryermuth becomes that target in the middle of the field. The big talking point on Sports Talk Radio here in Pittsburgh, though, Steve, that you touched on is everybody thinks Jalen Warren should be the number one back. He runs harder. He runs more inside. 
He runs the football with more zest. He almost runs it like James Conner did when James Conner was the back here for a little bit. He just flat out runs better than than Najee Harris. But there's the first round pedigree. There's all of that. And you think that you have to get him the football in, in Najee Harris. I would not be surprised, though, if coming off of the off week, this is where the carries even up or they even tilt toward Jalen Warren. Wow. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Seattle, right? Well, when you had, you had drafted Rashad Penny and it was like, well, you drafted a guy in the first round. You have to play right. him. But then they were like, but Chris Carson's better. I don't care. It was a seventh-round pick. He's better. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a similar scenario. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the guy's just been better. He's flat out better. He hits the hole quicker. He has a burst. He does things uh, just across the board better than Najee Harris has. It's going to be interesting. I'll be. I'll tell you this. You you can tell if he'll be a factor in the game by the first two series. Mike Tomlin has been loath to give him early game carries, even if the carries end up evening up. He gives him carries late in the game when generally the Steelers are getting beat. If he gives him some carries the first two series, things may be changed with the Steelers off. All right. Now, so one one more thing, and then we, we'll cut you loose here. So I think this is a good way to go about it. So the Steelers will win this game if blank. You know, what What would you say? The Steelers will win the game if, if the Steelers' corners show up, if there's not a home run ball from the Saints' offense, which I think could happen outside on the hashes. I think that the Steelers will win the football game too if they sustain drives even if they kick a field goal um, and they sustain drives and essentially play defense on offense and the scores kept low. If their tomato can kicks a field goal. They signed this kid, Matthew Wright. Okay. They've signed him before. You know, when you were a kid and you played football, like peewee football, it's not allowed to be called midget football anymore. It's like peewee football or youth football. And you got a trophy and there's a guy, he's as big as the person on the top of that trophy he's if he's five four 119 pounds i am as big as ray zellers um i'm telling you it's incredible he is so they signed him last year and he has no range like his his, honestly his range is like 46 yards but maybe he'll kick some field goals. That being said, though, I think if the Steelers can, even if they come up empty, even if they go uh, turnover on downs and maybe a field goal here and there, they can't go three and out. They can't keep giving New Orleans the football. They can't do things like that or they're dead. Real quick, I'm wondering, too, for uh, myself and any other Saints fans listening to the podcast visiting, what are some places that are must-sees or must eats besides like a Permanti brothers, obviously. Yeah. Permanti's is like the, the stick, like everybody. Got right, to exactly. I figured that, you know, what's crazy though. It's one of those things where it really does live up to the billing the first time. <laughs> like if you're an out of town and you yeah. go, it, 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 it works. It hits. It's that it's like, and I know it's hokey or whatever. Like, like my son and I were in New Orleans not long ago. Like you got to get up in the morning and go to cafe de Monde. Like okay, you, you right. have to, because if you've never been there before, it does hit. Like yeah. it's, it is good, you know, and you got the, like eight in the morning. Right. Um, so for Manny's is like that. That's good. Um, I will say if you're a saints fan, the actual tailgate area before the game is wonderful. It's big. It's spacious. There's a lot of parking spaces and Steeler fans because the team stinks and they're not, 
Ravens fans and they're not Browns <laughs> fans, whatever. They're actually very welcoming. And you can walk up to a tailgate and talk to somebody and have a good time in the parking lot, honestly. And it's a Sunday one o'clock game. They will be out there, I don't know, four or five in the morning, set right. up, ready to go. Um, so it, it, that'll be it. That's a good time to just take in the atmosphere, smell – because, you know, like with the Dome, it's kind of condensed. It's, it's a little bit different. It's real. You, know, you have, like, the overpasses and the train station and all that stuff. And then, like, um, what, Smoothie King Center or whatever that place is called right yeah, there, right? Got it. And, 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 like, people go to hotels and, like, go to the hotel bar and drink and stuff before. This is, like, parking lots, you know? That's that's what I would recommend as an out-of-towner is take in the Northeast tailgating scene. Now, it's it's more like a college football feel. Right. You know, it's it's more like going to Baton Rouge or it's more like going to Auburn or somewhere like that. I actually grew up in New Jersey, so I've been yeah. to plenty of Giants tailgates. Right. Uh, it's it's a good time. That's that's what I would do. But I would – I know it's the cliche, and I know that people look at it like, oh, I see – Permanis is worth it. I mean, it it really it does it's, hit. It's definitely a must hit, right? Yes, it, it is. So, so there's that. And Mount Washington is the big overlook where essentially the city's built down in a bowl because, yeah. oddly enough, there are three rivers. They weren't joking, and so you can look down and see it, and you're up above the city, and it's a great vantage point to look at everything. So awesome. that's that. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. We've been talking to Colin Dunlap, host of the Fourth Down in the Steel City podcast go behind any of the lines check it out he's also the host of the fan morning show on 93.7 in pittsburgh thanks so much for hanging out with us man all right you guys are great appreciate it man thank you and all right that's gonna just about wrap it up for us here on inside black and gold this is our kind of final show before saint steelers on sunday in week 10 the thing that he said that i think was really interesting was not only did he say their longest touchdown of the year was eight yards They've also been bad in the red zone <laughs> and they have not scored from outside the red zone. <laughs> so that's not a good combination of things. Yeah. What stood out too, to me is when he said, you know, obviously the outside, he, he expects a long bomb to be, you know, something that there's been an Achilles heel with this uh, Steelers defense. They're very susceptible at corner, man. Uh, let, let's hope so because we have not really seen that air attack flourish of late. Yeah, I mean, it's put up yard, just hasn't put up big plays. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, and that's gonna be that's gonna be a big factor. But thanks everyone who listened. Make sure to hit that subscribe button where we get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe over on YouTube at WWL Sports. Make sure to check out WWL.com. You can follow me, Jeff Nowak, on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL. It's like Sarah Michelle, but with an E. Oh man, I got so much of that in high school. Sarah Geller. Michelle's your cousin, right? Yeah, we're related, sure. Yeah, you just chose to spell your name differently because you're weird. <laughs> I also have, because of the friends, because you had uh, Ross uh, yes. and Monica Geller. Ross and Rachel. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ross and Monica, that's true. There's this spelled wrong, too. Yeah, the, the, the wrong way like <laughs> me, right? <laughs> yeah, there it is. All right, let's get a win. Peace, y'all. Talk to you first take, 8 a.m. Sunday. Da-da-da-da.